companies that jump into Shopify for the first time, they think influencers is like the silver bullet. I've seen countless venture decks from like early stage D2C companies where it's like an entire slide is just based on how we're gonna win with influencers. And I can guarantee you most of those things never come true because until you start experimenting with those creators and influencers, you don't really know. This is someone that's very opinionated, has audience and can literally make or break your brand. So I think in this situation, you really have to educate a lot of those merchants when they get in for the first time and tell them what's up. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? Let me break it down. In short, a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. In today's episode, we are covering Shopify collabs with Mike Schmidt. Now, Mike is a seasoned technology entrepreneur who has spent more than a decade honing in his skills in this industry. He is best known as the founder of Dovetail, a highly regarded Shopify application for influencer and affiliate marketing. Recently, in 2021, Shopify acquired Dovetail and rebranded it as Shopify Collabs, which is a free tool designed to help merchants and creators enhance their capabilities in influencer, affiliate, and ambassador marketing. Mike continues to lead the project, ensuring its success and its growth. So let's get ready to it. Let's talk marketing with Mike Schmidt. Mike, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. Super excited to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Now we are going to dive into Shopify Collabs. I have loads of questions about that. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit better. What was your first marketing role and where are you at now? It's funny. I didn't start off wanting to be a marketer. I actually don't even consider myself a marketer, to be honest. like I consider myself an engineer. But marketing is one of those things where I just stumbled into it. Obviously, a lot of the things in startup land is by nature storytelling. So 10 years ago, I did a business program, fell in love with starting companies and the narrative around starting a company. I studied chemical engineering. So it's like, it wasn't even my thing. Uh, Yeah, you truly are an engineer. I can see that now. (laughs) Yeah. So I was going to work at Mercedes in the fuel cell engineering division. So very, very far removed 10 years later from doing the influencer marketing, creator economy type things that I'm doing today. But the reason why I fell in love with digital is because of scale. And I think one of the things that you can really start to see based on at least the last couple of projects that I've worked on, I started a company out of college. It was called Listen. It was like basically a social network for music lovers. So you could listen to your friend's music, irregardless of where they listen to their music or when they were listening to that music. It was a really cool social adaptation on music before people were doing social sharing on Spotify and different things like that. So I was early in on the mobile game. You know what? I wouldn't even say I was that early because like this was iPhone 4. So there was like iPhone 3, where it's like location actually became good. Uber started to become good at that point. So I wouldn't actually say I'm necessarily that early. I was early in my years, but everything is relative, obviously. So I got into the world of digital marketing, storytelling, influencer marketing through that experience, actually. So Listen actually 
brought me into the world of influencer marketing because college kids, you have no money. And you're like, what's the best way to get customers? You can go to people and ask them to sell your product for you. So I absolutely love this idea of going to Vine stars and Vine influencers and asking them to promote the product. So they were just asking people to download the app. So we had several huge people. You can look back in the history archives about the people that were promoting, but we paid them like 50 bucks, 40 bucks, very different from the days of influencer marketing today. But that's how I got into influencer marketing as a marketer, I'd say, but I would probably categorize myself as a marketer in some ways because I like storytelling and then definitely an engineer in many other ways how to build the framework for executing on the marketing side of things, which I think is really key to be successful in not just marketing, I think in all walks of life. What's your current role? So I'm the head of Shopify Collabs at Shopify. So I lead the product. I have engineering counterparts now. I'm very lucky to have really great engineers that help me today, but I lead product decision strategy for Shopify Collabs. Nice. And what is it that you love about what you do? But conversely, what would you pluck out? What would you remove from the day to day of your job where you're like, oh, I would just be perfection if I didn't have to do this one thing. But let's start with what you love. So for the audience, this is my first time at a big company, like 10,000 people at a single company. I've never worked at a big company. Everything else I've worked on is pretty small, right? Like as far as headcount goes, but as far as impact, I'd like to think Maybe the proportion is a little bit skewed, but I think one of the things I love about Shopify is the impact. Like it is a huge company. Yeah. I love supporting entrepreneurs. Like it's the thing I wake up trying to do every single day. We'll talk about Shopify Collabs a little bit more, but there's so many pieces of Shopify that impact everyone's daily lives. All the stories that came out of COVID, even the earliest stories of people starting their businesses on Shopify, I like to think that we're making an impact in a very small area of, which is collabs, of course, but there's so many ways to make impact at Shopify. It's an infinite game. We talk about it all the time. It's just an incredible place to build your war chest of ideas. And then also just the leadership is really impressive too. They just let you go and build the things that make the most sense. And they let you fail and do all the things internally around entrepreneurship as you would externally in an entrepreneurial world. Yeah. The things I don't love about big companies, Shopify has also been like a leader in this too. And definitely more recently, I don't know if you've seen it, but meetings, there's just so many meetings when I got into Shopify. Now we cut yeah. like a lot of our meetings. And in a perfect world, you have complete trust with your team. You work with experts. You love working with the people you work with. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Obviously, people are complex. They're hard. However, when you walk into Shopify, it's very different. So meetings is one thing. I would say another thing is just like the amount of documentation, like the amount of stuff that you have to do to align a team and different things. It may seem really simple to my counterparts or even to me sometimes. And it's just like the amount of stuff you have to do to communicate to all the different stakeholders at a big company. That's like kind of goes with the territory, right? Yeah. You have to do those things when you work at a big company. Even when you're at a small company, communication is the top thing. I would just love to reduce that stuff a little bit more, but I can't complain. It's a hard thing to complain about. I feel like that's a tough nut to crack regardless. And I too have worked from small to large corporate. I think it's harder to turn the ship the larger that you get. But what's great is that you have so many hands on deck to your point. You have this team of engineers that you can tap into and you don't have to be the sole person that's doing everything. So it gives you the ability to strategize and be a little bit more creative. 
when it comes to what you want to implement next or what you want to execute next. Yeah, that's what's amazing too, is like when you have an amazing team, when your bar is really high for talent, yeah, things get done really quickly when you align that team. So like those documents, we have an internal version of ChatGPT, which is amazing because like you can query it for like a bunch of different documents and different things like that. I speed up my time so significantly when using this thing. Because as you can imagine, I've been at Shopify for about a year and a half, but Shopify Collabs is not a new idea, right? There's people five years ago thinking about affiliate stuff and influencer stuff. Yeah. If you can query and index all of that documentation really quickly and then parse it as like the product lead, you have a huge advantage because then you don't have to go relearn all this stuff. Absolutely. But to your point, you can do a lot with a little for sure. Yeah, I love that. Because you're just in this collab space, influencer marketing space, you have to be able to stay up to date with things. So I'm always really curious as to what social networks people gravitate towards. If you do gravitate towards any of these for this, for inspiration, entertainment, and education. Do you go to any social networks for either of those three things or of all those three things? It depends on what you define as social network. Oh, I like that. Yeah. If you're talking Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Oculus, like different places, different mediums, I'd actually say I'm like a pretty low user of social media. That keeps me very unbiased, I would say. I actually have to put on my calendar to see what new things Instagram launches. Everyone thinks, oh, I would be like a power user of something like Instagram or Facebook. I'm really not. I don't even have Instagram on my phone. I'd have the web app, but I don't have the actual Instagram app. Same with TikTok. I don't have TikTok on my phone. I try to really just not pick up my phone that much in general. I am, however, pretty addicted to Twitter. Twitter is a place in which like it's constantly entertaining. And if you sift through all the noise, you actually learn quite a bit from some of the stakeholders, especially in technology. There's so many great builders on Twitter and they love to share things early on Twitter. So I really like that area. Some really amazing developers that are there, product builders, that type of thing. But I would say books are my go-to information source. Shopify is also so good at downloading you on like industry trends and what's going on, like how we're positioned and different things. You could spend hours just in our internal tools, just like learning about how the e-commerce landscape is evolving. And we do an amazing job of that. Just me as a bystander, I don't even have an impact there. I just observe and consume. So I'd say like also friends, friends as a social network. Most of my information is just being spun around in iMessages and stuff like that. But as far as social, Twitter's really the only like mainstream social network that I actually really use. Do you look for inspiration on Twitter or do you find that you get inspired by scrolling through the Twitter feed? Depends on like inspiration, right? Like breaking that one down too. Like I'm planning my wedding right now and Pinterest is an amazing planning place. Yeah. It's just so incredible at how good they do at just like organizing thoughts and the nodes of thinking and how you can break up the boards and different things like that. They have mastered that. And I think for inspiration, you can get a lot just from Pinterest, depending on what you're trying to do. As far as like pure inspiration, it sounds weird, but like I was watching this TED talk on boredom and inspiration is like one of these weird things where it's like, if you just force yourself to be bored for a little while, you can spark eureka moments and you can foster first principles thinking and a bunch of other things. So I would say that a lot of the things on social media are distracting. Yeah. Like it can get really toxic really quickly too. So I'd say like probably my view on just inspiration is it depends. If I'm planning a wedding, Pinterest, they got it. They got it under control. (laughs) I love it. When you know what it is that you're getting inspired or what you need inspiration for, I would agree. I go to Pinterest all the time and I actually love that you 
say that or that you said that I actually think that you're the first person to have said that I've interviewed so far Pinterest. But I do think that's like an inspiration board, whether it comes to fashion, to home, to travel ideas, to cook. Well, I get literally pull all my recipes from Pinterest. To your point, I think it's very well organized. Yeah, like you're inspired to do recipes. It's so good. It's a perfect place. Exactly. I don't know if you watch the Food Network at all, but they've got, I think it's called Chopped Kitchen. Yeah, Chopped. Yeah. I feel like I can put in the main ingredients that I have. The right recipe will percolate all the way to the top, which is fantastic. It was the only channel I had in college, so I watched a lot of Chopped. (laughs) A lot of Chopped. You're very well versed. You're very well versed in it. I think the other thing that I wanted to mention that what you said reminded me of when it comes to inspiration and just sitting in the boredom, a little bit reminds me of childhood. Yeah. When you are, quote unquote, bored as a kid, you invent things to do or be. It's like where imagination lives. So I like this idea of sitting in the boredom to give space for inspiration to walk in the door. Yeah, it's a perfect way to think about it too. Yeah, that framework is amazing. Think about it, it's like a beginner's mind. That's a perfect way. That's true. I'll think about adopting it later on. (laughs) This is the other side of things. How do you then stay up to date on trends that don't involve social networks? Do you have newsletters that you go to or that you subscribe to or groups that you go to? Where do you stay up to date on trends? Besides setting a calendar reminder to get on the network. Substack has been a great place for this for me. Substack has really substantive articles and newsletters from really amazing writers. I have a separate email account just for my inbox, so it doesn't get cluttered. I use this tool called Stoop Inbox, which is basically like a newsletter reader inbox kind of thing. I love it because it kind of like I can prioritize. If anyone from Stoop Inbox is listening to this, by the way, I have a lot of product feedback. Go to the episode page for his contact. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But like Stoop is great. I like to just curate these newsletters, jump in and out of those. Like I said before, the Shopify team, we work with amazing PMs, amazing people on the team that are like, hey, have you seen this? They're sharing articles. There's industry news. ChatGPT is like a cheat code. Summarize this article for me and I'll get the gist of it pretty quickly. It's important to keep up like the right trends. Some are very much distractions. Like you can tell that they're huge distractions. Yeah. But other than that, friends, Twitter. I also use this app. It's probably like my most used app on my phone. It's called Instapaper. So if you see an article that's worth reading, I'll just dump it into my Instapaper because it can be very disruptive. If you have an article that's shared to you, it's like Pocket. I don't know if you ever used Pocket before. Yes, yes, yes. I used to use Pocket all the time, actually. I absolutely love Pocket, Instapaper, that concept because you have the space and time to actually consume the information rather than rushing through and be like, oh shit, I got this article shared with me. I have to read this thing really quickly. So yeah, I keep up to date with all that stuff. And I have a backlog of articles and different things that I read through. Yeah, I love that. I love the use of apps to keep up on news trends. I think especially with newsletters, because I also subscribe to a ton of newsletters. There's no way that I'm reading all of them. I've tried to actually set aside time at the beginning of my day to read through some of the newsletters, but I find that I end up going down the rabbit hole. I'll read one article that leads me to six other articles. And then like I've gone through one piece in a newsletter. So I love the idea of pocket. I'm ready to dive into strategy and I want to know all the things that I need to know about Shopify collabs. So give me first like this high level, what is Shopify collabs? 50,000 feet Shopify collabs is a seller network. So we call it creators and influencers, but really what you're talking about here is 
we're building tools for merchants to basically build these networks of folks that are going to sell their products. So we intentionally call out inside the product, just like some ambiguity, because when you jump in, we let you define what these folks are. Of course, we lead with creators. We lead with influencers because that's the largest subgrouping and category. But you'll see many different merchants that use Shopify Collabs today. They'll call their influencers, their sommeliers, their run club, their whatever it is. We've seen the growth of this segment, like the creator segment and how this has evolved for the last 10-ish years. But really the product that we're working on today is a tool for merchants right now to facilitate relationships with creators and influencers and ambassadors, super fans, sellers, whatever you want to call them, affiliate links, codes, gifting, payouts, everything you need in a toolkit to basically facilitate that transaction with a creator. So you'll see me use the words interchangeably depending on the case study, but we also have a reciprocal end of it, which is the creator interface. So the creators can partner with those merchants. They can get paid by them. They can pick up links and codes. They can do all that kind of stuff. And there's way more to come for them as well. So we started intentionally, you talk about strategy, you started very intentionally with our advantages, which is build for merchants first. Those merchants can obviously bring those creators in. Those creators will thrive in that relationship, hopefully, as long as there's a good relationship there. And then of course, you'll have that kind of cold start problem solved. I really appreciate that you started with the language of using creators and influencers because that's what people can gravitate towards, right? That's what they understand, but are purposely leaving it open because I think to your point, when people are, you didn't say this, but I'm saying this based on your point, but (laughs) when people think about creators and influencers, oh, I'm a business that is on Shopify. I'm like, I don't need creators. I don't need influencers. That's just on social media. But when you expand it and you start to think of really the sellers of your product, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I do have a run club. That is my seller's network. And being able to leverage them to truly be sellers that are going to honestly affect your bottom line, which is what everybody wants to do. I'd love to know what kind of features you have. I think typically with just working with any sort of software that manages influencers and creators, there is like the basic, how can I find the right creators? Then how can I execute a campaign? And then how can I report? In Shopify Collabs as a brand, am I able to do all of those things? Yeah. So we're really intentional with the features to keep it simple yet impactful. So there's so many different influencer affiliate type startups and companies and things that are out there that have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What we try to do is do the most important stuff. So when you get into Shopify Collabs, you're taken through this beautiful new onboarding that we just launched a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And it basically introduces you to like the philosophy. So the philosophy, and this is important because we want to make sure that you show creators that you value them. So when you get into the onboarding process, we walk you through, hey, put this on your store. Make this a part of your, not only marketing strategy, but about your company, about your brand. So that is tailored and facilitated throughout the whole onboarding process. Like you've probably seen this before too. It's like gymshark.com slash ambassadors or fashionnova.com slash whatever it is. I just made up those examples, but that's an important distinction for a merchant that's like getting into this game for the very first time. And to recalibrate a lot of the merchants that maybe have done this stuff before, maybe they've had success, maybe they haven't had success, but really just teaching them. So like, I'd say the first feature is all about re-education and unlearning. Once you get past that step, then you can get into the nitty gritty. 
by the way, Collabs is built like a huge game. It's like a big board game, basically. You get in and there's this little meter. It says like how close you are to finishing your profile, where your profile is visible, different things like that. How hard mode do you want to be on kind of thing? Do you want to go on expert mode, hard mode, medium, easy, whatever it is? There's all these like little subtleties that we're trying to like just put into the product so that people can feel like I'm one person. I'm the founder of this company. I don't even have supply chain to work with a Jenner yet. If a Jenner works with me, they're going to blow through all my supply. I'm never going to be able to fulfill for all my customers in weeks. So there's all these really complex scenarios. You get introduced to the dashboard. Dashboard has all this kind of like fun stuff in it, but we have tools like Recruit. So Recruit is a search engine that lets you search through influencers that are on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and different places. You can reach out to them. You can contact them. Like You can do that different action depending on what your business is. You can set up Tiers. So tiers are our gaming structure for affiliate codes and links. So you can have my customer tier, my ambassador tier, my influencer tier, my creator tier, however you want to define it really. So there's like tier structures, all the things you can imagine under that stuff too, which is like discount codes, commission structure, subscription structure. So if you have a subscription-based product, new customers versus returning customers, you want to incentivize them more or less. There's all these little dials and knobs that you can do inside of that. Gifting is the crown jewel inside of Collabs. It is really just an amazing feature to let you introduce your products to creators that want to tell your story. The reason why that's important is because we tell those creators like, hey, use the product before you start talking about it on social without telling them exactly what to do. And I think that's like an important thing too, is like, imagine going into a board game for the very first time, you don't know all the rules. It's okay to make mistakes, basically, for the first couple of times. Figure out the best path to the finish line, and then you can rinse and repeat. The last piece is basically payouts. I think today, as of a couple of weeks ago, when we launched this feature, we launched automated payouts, which is we had our basic PayPal offering before, but this really takes all the advantages of Shopify, turns it on like supercharge, and then just gives it to our merchants to pay out those creators in a really easy way. Because the feature essentially allows you to tackle refunds, returns, those two pieces alone, cross-border payments, cross-currency trading, basically like if creators in Australia and the merchant is in Denmark, what happens? What happens to that foreign exchange? What happens in those scenarios? What happens if your code is leaked? What happens if the creator posts a code and then it's picked up by Honey or something else like that? Yes. Those payout structures get very complex. So we have dispute functionality and all those types of things to protect our merchants in those scenarios, but also help educate creators and help them get more opportunities. So we've done a lot of those Really, it seems like basic things when you say it out loud. It's like, wow, this is all they're doing. But if you just do those things really, really, really well, you can drive a ton of conversion, a ton of sales for those creators because you just get what to do. You get in, you use the tools, you define the rules, and then you can get out. That's a lot. I don't actually think that it sounds as simple or even like as basic as that. I think that what Shopify Collabs is that you set up the framework for a successful program when working with influencers, creators, or whatever you want to call them. There are some things that I want to either unpack or double click on. And one of them is you mentioned gamifying it, which freaking fantastic because I love games. I hate reading through a bunch of things and who doesn't. And I love the analogy of what it's like when you are playing a new board game because you're right. There's always that first gimme game. That was just practice. Now it's the real game. So I'm wondering, you mentioned they have to unlearn so that you can re-educate. What are they unlearning? What do you mean by that? 
This is like a sentiment that's now become a little bit more sophisticated in the creator partnership landscape, but there's still many companies that kind of like just promote the transactional nature of creator relationships. And I think there's some really great companies in the space that have done a lot of education for the ecosystem in general. You'd still be surprised like how quickly people forget that this is not a programmatic ad channel. Yeah. This is not put your credit card in, hope you get some sales out of it on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like you don't just upload creative, you don't just do those things. You actually have to build those relationships. And this is not backed by data. But the thing is when we look at the average merchant, depending on the bucket that they're in, if they're in like, wow, we've been working with creators since the dawn of time, they're generally pretty good. They get it. These are like the fashion beauty brands. This is a primary channel for them. Now when you get into the more of the experimental land, especially early stage companies, companies that jump into Shopify for the first time, they think influencers is like the silver bullet. You've probably seen this before. All the time. This going to win me something. I'm going to go viral. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to see it in the next six weeks. And that's just not reality. There is no silver bullet. 100%. And I've seen countless venture decks from like early stage D2C companies where it's like an entire slide is just based on how we're going to win with influencers. And I can guarantee you most of those things never come true. Because until you start experimenting with those creators and influencers, you don't really know. This is like a segment of customer that's totally different than just an average consumer. This is someone that's very opinionated, has audience, and can literally make or break your brand. So I think in this situation, you really have to educate a lot of those merchants when they get in for the first time and tell them what's up. This industry has changed very quickly. So we have this little news feed that we just designed, gives them like this update on where things are at, what strategies are working. For example, there's still several merchants that jump in and they're like, oh, we have to look for someone that has high engagement, high follower count, high this, high that. No, you need to find someone that loves your brand, loves your products. The love component is the thing that always produces. We have this one section on the application page. Let's say, for example, your favorite merchant downloads collapse. They introduce the application page for affiliates, creators, influencers to partner with. Now, there's one survey question in there that says... Tell us why you love us in one to two sentences. I know almost instantly if someone is going to be like a good partner, if they write more than two sentences. Yeah. So even though that's the constraint, that's like what they'll do. Now, who is filling that out? The brand or the influencer creator? The creator. So the creator would fill that on behalf of they're applying to the merchant community page. Okay, got it. Because that was going to be my next follow-up question in regards to the search engine with so much conversation around companies moving from third party to first party. How do you balance that out while still giving the merchants brands, aka brands, as many creators to work with? Or am I thinking about it in the wrong way? Because you had said search engine. So I'm assuming I can type in parameters and the right creator is going to come up if I have locked in their demographic. Yeah. I'm a big first party advantage builder. That's basically how we're building the entire future of collabs. And if you think about what the advantages of Shopify are, we know commerce, we know conversion, we know checkout, we know sales, we know all this stuff. We know consumer profiles now. Shop app has hundreds of millions of profiles of consumers. Yeah. If you could tell me as a merchant that's coming in selling a new like fitness yoga brand, I'm trying to find people that are going to sell my product quickly, fast, have a really long attribution cycle, whatever you're looking for, we should actually be the best at doing that. Yeah. When you think about the number of followers, number of likes on Instagram, they don't matter. What matters at the end of the day is for those merchants to find creators, influencers, people that can just really sell for you. So what if we show in our search engine, this creator 
sells for similar brands to you, maybe they'll like selling your stuff too, because your yoga pants would go really well with that, this other merchant's yoga top. So like you can sell them in pairings. This creator could sell them in pairings. And we've built up a lot of that first party advantage just in the last year alone. Those are the types of things that search will start to come to life. Nice. You are marrying the best of both worlds. This is the information that we already have. This is the information that the creator influencer has provided. And then together, this is what we're serving up for you when you're trying to discover the right creator or influencer for your particular brand. Now, my assumption is also that you have to be on Shopify in order to leverage Shopify collabs, but I just want to be sure. Yep. At the end of the day, that is the goal. Everyone on Shopify. (laughs) (laughs) It is the goal. And I'm really curious because the amount of influencer platforms that are out there is plentiful. And I know that there's a lot of discussion of what should I go to or where should I go? Because I need all of these things, the sort of framework that it is that you're talking about. So is Shopify Collabs ideal for the very small, small, medium, mid-market or enterprise? Or would you say that it can be effective regardless of the size of your brand? I think anyone that's on Shopify can utilize Collabs. There's correlation between people that are very successful, meaning like you have a supply chain that can fulfill orders, you have product market fit, you have a decent amount of budget and staff that can do this stuff for you. Generally, I get a little bit worried when it's, oh, I just started the company, I'm putting all my eggs on the influencer side, and we just want to use influencer marketing. I've seen success there for sure. But the earliest stages of your company, I would just try to get sales through friends and family at the start and just try to do word of mouth and try to maybe figure out some like really non-scalable, low-effort sales strategies for your brand first. Basically, the textbook label merchants that you've probably seen out in the ether that are on Shopify, they're really successful on collabs, generating millions of dollars. This is becoming like a top three customer acquisition channel for them. I'd like to think that we're building a future where anyone on Shopify could use it, but there is correlation between a little bit more figured out, maybe after a year or so. Yeah, absolutely. I also like the direction that you're pushing people to when they're starting off not to make it like don't put all of your eggs in one basket. But I'm a big proponent of that for all marketing strategies. You have to be diverse because you have to be everywhere. But I love the idea of starting with friends and families. I've always been a big advocate that those are also influencers as well, too. I always say I'm an influencer at my dinner table because what I say goes, everyone's listening to me, right? My conversion rate is off the chart. <laughs> I think like when you are a smaller business, you have to think of that because you can't do everything. You've got a lot of stuff on your plate. Influencers can still be a big play. But as you really start to build up that word of mouth, it becomes very much so a snowball effect. I'm really curious as to how you see just the influencer and affiliate marketing space evolving over the next few years. I'll do one better. I'll just zoom out a little bit further and just talk about marketing in general, because I think it's all the same theme. I think that there's like extreme competition right now, just given the changes with Apple's frameworks, advertising, data laws. There's just like a race right now on who's going to collect the most amount of data so that basically people can take advantage of selling, essentially. That's the big thing. It's been the thing for a really long time, but now it's actually a thing because Apple said it so. I think when you look at marketing, maybe in a couple of years from now, even today, merchants really just want to look for sales. They want to pay for sales. This is a huge assumption here, but like every merchant I've talked to doesn't care about impressions and reach over sales. Sales is the thing, right? So it's like when you look at sort of 
legacy brands that are concerned with impressions and reach. It's like insurance companies and stuff like that, maybe. I don't know. But if I'm an entrepreneur that's selling products on my Shopify store, I want the networks to take a little bit more risk. I want the individuals to take a little bit more risk. So I imagine advertising will just completely evolve into a place where it's like all the networks, all the social networks, everyone else is going to compete with each other to show those advertisers or show those advertisers people are spending money that it works. Basically, they don't just spend $300 in a single day, which is like oftentimes really harmful to a merchant if they were to spend that and not get a sale, that it actually works. There will be much more risk on the network side to produce results. And I think the same is true for collapse. So that's why I talk about it as like high level, because I don't think that people are really satisfied with what they're paying for right now in advertising. And I think it's like about time that our industry grows up a bit and just helps the end customer really drive the results that they're looking for. And I think that we're at a place with machine learning, artificial intelligence, that we can actually do that. We can actually find those customers for you. I think that's the best thing about Collabs right now is that it puts the risk and the reward on the creator, right? If both players want to play the game, play the game, and then you know what the incentive models are. I think we're going to get a lot smarter about how we do that stuff with some clever things we we have going on. But you'll see it'll be a little bit more different than the traditional influencer marketing plays that you've seen in the past. But yeah, that's generally how I see things moving forward. Yeah, I like that. I can see the refinement of it as a strategy, definitely in execution. It's getting over the hump of the bell curve of like, all right, everybody wanted to do it. And now let's get some regulation. Also, let's define what exactly that we mean so that we're leveraging everything that's really at our fingertips for us to be successful. Because you're right, when it comes down to it, impressions are really great. Brand awareness is really important. But what keeps the lights on are also the sales that you make off of whatever it is that you're selling. So it makes sense. You've given me so much of your time. I have one final question. I usually ask the marketing advice, but since you don't necessarily think of yourself as a marketer, what is just that career advice that you give to yourself if you knew then what you know now? The marketing advice is focusing on your personal brand. Personal brand is like a huge thing. But general advice, like I started off as an entrepreneur professionally, which is weird, like a strange title to have. When you're going back to your parents and you say, hey, I'm not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm just going to start this music company. And they're like, what? (laughs) But they supported me every part of the way. It was awesome. They're like, do what you love. But I think the personal advice that if I look back is think even bigger than what you were thinking before. It's incredible when you start to play big games, like how infinite they actually are. And when you're a kid at a college, you think big is like the province or territory that you're from or the state that you're from. Yeah. The world is thinking bigger than ever. That's the thing that I keep thinking back to. If I only thought a little bit bigger, how big could that thing be? By now. (laughs) By now. Yeah, exactly. Even people at Shopify, they think really big. And it's all relative. Like You can relearn this thing over and over in your career. But I think if I were to go back and tell myself one thing, I was like, you think you're thinking big right now. You think you're on your top of your game, but you're not. You are on a small little molehill of where you can be right now. And I think you could really amplify this. If someone just told me, think way bigger, that would have been like really helpful advice. I love it. So everyone listening, think big. Think big. That's where it's at. Don't be afraid to also take the leap. There's always a bigger mountain around the corner. You just haven't peeked around the corner quite yet. Thank you so much for taking all of this time, sharing a little bit more about Shopify Collabs, and we'll be sure to share all of the information in the episode page. So thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This has been great.
I absolutely love learning about new technologies, especially in the creator economy space. And this episode definitely did not let me down. I learned a ton. I've got some takeaways for you. Are you ready for them? Number one, Shopify Collabs is a seller network. I love the fact that he called it a seller network. And it helps merchants build networks of people who can sell their products. That means you're going to the people who are already purchasing, right? This includes creators, influencers, super fans, ambassadors, and sellers, the people who are going to help you sell. The platform provides really a toolkit for facilitating the transaction between merchants and creators like affiliate links, codes, payouts, and gifting. Number two, what is featured in Collabs is more of an intentional design, really to keep it simple yet really impactful for those who are using it. The onboarding process introduces the overall philosophy behind the platform, which emphasizes the value of creators. So you're signing them up, but you know exactly what you should be getting out of leveraging creators as part of your strategy. Now, the platform itself also provides a game-like experience. Who doesn't like gamification? Am I right? And the gamification is where users can set up their profiles, which are visible to others on the network. There are various subtleties in the product and users can choose the difficulty level they want to work with. The platform aims to really help businesses leverage their sellers network to impact their bottom line. And my last takeaway is that the challenges of working with creators and influencers in the e-commerce space and how collab platforms like Shopify Collabs are helping brands and creators build relationships that go beyond just the transactional partnerships, which means that merchants need to understand that working with creators is not a one-size-fits-all solution. I'm going to repeat that and say it slower. It is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And it requires building relationships with influencers who genuinely love your brand and products. Another point that Mike made during our chat is that the collab platforms can really leverage first-party data to help merchants find the right creators for their brand by matching them with influencers who have audience alignment with the brand's target demographic. I would love to hear what nuggets you guys took away from today's episode. So definitely subscribe, follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, my friends. Leave us some comments, leave us some reviews. A special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team at Content Allies. Let me know if you want more information. I would be happy to share. And check out our episode page to learn a little bit more about Mike. You can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Just look for Katya Allison. And I wanted to say thank you for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.